Amen. Let's take our Bibles at this time, and we're going to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter number 6, Matthew 6, as we have been in our series in the Sermon on the Mount. We finished chapter 5 last time, and uh, we'll begin here tonight in Matthew 6. Now, we're going to look at some, uh, I guess, a section of this passage that's kind of connected, then we're going to skip over some verses and look at some others, and I think you'll see why, as it's just kind of the way it's laid out here, and so uh, if you're there in Matthew 6, let's stand together, we'll begin reading in verse number 1, we'll read verses 1 through 6, and then we're going to look down to verse 16, okay, so Matthew 6 and verse 1, Jesus says here, take heed that ye do not your alms before men, to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father, which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, or but when thou doest thy doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That thine alms may be in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. The next several verses really are some instructions on prayer. We find the model prayer laid out there. But then I want to get to verse number 16. As it says, moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. I want to preach to you tonight on the subject of serving God in sincerity. Serving God in sincerity. Let's pray. Our Father, tonight, would you just help us as we look into your word, uh, help us to consider ourselves in light of your word. We know that the, the word of God acts like a mirror to the soul. And uh, Lord, would you allow us to just look within tonight as we consider the truth that you have presented to us here, would you help us to, to see ourselves the way that you see us and respond accordingly. If there are some things that need to change in our heart, in our attitude, in the way that we do things, Lord, show us that, that we can get those things right with you. And uh, we, we trust that you'll, you'll do in us what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Here in these verses that we read, Jesus addresses three areas, three vital areas really to a life of discipleship. Remember that 
the Sermon on the Mount that's laid out here in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, this discourse that Jesus is teaching here, uh, this is really a, a, a sermon or a, a, a class, if you will, a course in discipleship and what it means to be a follower of Christ. And in, in these verses that we read, Jesus addresses some primary vital areas of discipleship. Uh, the first thing he mentions to them is their service, what I would call their, their service. He says, uh, take heed that ye do not your alms before men. Now specifically in New Testament times, the concept of almsgiving was usually the idea of giving to the poor. So you had, obviously, back in those days, many people uh, who were uh, unable to care for themselves or provide for themselves. You had people that were uh, disabled physically, maybe blind or deaf, and couldn't get a job and work. Or you had widows that weren't able to go out and make a living for themselves. And they didn't have the social safety nets that we're accustomed to in our modern Western world. And so if you were one of those people that didn't have the ability uh, to work or to, to provide for yourself, or you didn't have others who would provide for you, you were left to be a beggar. You were, you were left to just kind of uh, live off of the kindness and generosity of other people. And that was actually, if you had to be a beggar anywhere in the world or any time in the world, you probably couldn't ask for a better place or time than to be uh, in, uh, in and around the, the, the area of the, where the Jews resided uh, back in, in the first century and so on, because according to their law, they were to give. There were certain things that God put in the law uh, to protect those who were vulnerable, and, and there were things, and so it was very, very common for people to give alms. As they would walk down the street, it wasn't like uh, here when you see someone holding a sign on a street corner and maybe 90% or 95% of the people just drive on by or walk on by and pay no attention, uh, there was actually a, a fair amount of giving that would go on. If you saw someone who was physically crippled or blind, you knew this is a person who has need and God would have me to do something for them. And so many people, that's what they did. They gave and, and, and contributed to the support of the poor. And so Jesus is addressing this, and he addresses the issue of their almsgiving. But here's what he says. When you do that, don't do it. In fact, he says, take heed that you don't do it to be seen of men. In other words, don't go and look for the opportunity uh, to, to, uh, to go to the busiest street corner and find the beggars there in a place where you're going to be seen by the most people and kind of recognized for the good deed that you've done. So he addresses their area of service, their service to the Lord, their service to the poor, and he says, don't do that to be seen of men. And then he goes on in verse number uh, five, and he addresses the issue of their supplication, their prayer life. He said, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Now this is again something that maybe is culturally a little bit different to us, because uh, most of us are not naturally accustomed to, you know, going out into a public place and lifting up our voice and praying publicly so that all the people can hear us. But this was apparently something that was a problem in Jesus' day, 
maybe among the scribes and the Pharisees, those religious leaders, it was a big deal if you could be in the synagogue um, in the midst of all the other Jews that were there present and to show yourself to be a leader, to be someone who is very spiritual among them. But Jesus says in your prayer life, you ought not be so concerned about what others see in you you actually are better off praying in secret to your father. So he addresses the issue of their service and their supplication, but also the issue of their sacrifice. You go down to verse 16, and he says, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites are, or as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. <laughs> so... Again, just part of everyday Jewish life or throughout the week, uh, it was expected that you would take some time, take a day or two, and, and, and fast. You wouldn't eat. You would take that time and dedicate it to, to prayer and, 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 and drawing close to the Lord. This was something that God had instructed them to do. But apparently there was an issue there with people that would actually, when they were fasting, would intentionally make themselves look poorly. Uh, they would disfigure their face. They'd walk around with, with some kind of a, a pained look on their face so that other people would see that they were fasting. I can just imagine them, you know, walking around, oh, oh. hey, what's wrong with you today? Oh, no, nothing, nothing. I'm just, I've been fasting for three days. You know, oh, oh, I know what you mean. I, I've been fasting for five days. You know, they, 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 there was an issue with people doing things that were meant to be for the glory of God, but doing them intentionally before the eyes of men. Now, here's the thing. While we don't necessarily relate in any one of these specific categories directly, I think we can admit that we have, human nature hasn't changed much, and we have every bit as much tendency as other people to want to make sure that others are aware of our service and sacrifice to the Lord. We like recognition. I mean, it's human nature. Uh, you know, I, it's not that I'm serving other people, but it, it is, right, that I, I would like for people to notice. If there's something that I've done for, for the Lord, I would like them to notice. Jesus is saying here, honestly, don't do that. Don't serve, don't sacrifice, don't pray in order that you might be seen of men. Why would that be? Well, hold your place here in Matthew 6. And go with me, if you would, to the book of Galatians, chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. And Paul says something really, really, I think, powerful to the, uh, to the, the churches of Galatia here. He says in Galatians 1, in verse number 10, he says, For, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. He says, if, if, I, if I was doing the things that I do in service to the Lord, 
for other people, trying to please other people, I have no right to call myself a servant of Christ. If my intention, if my greatest desire is that I would be seen of others doing something for the Lord, then I'm not really doing it for the Lord, I'm doing it for them. You see, Jesus says later in this chapter that no man can serve two masters. And the reality is that when we set out to try and please people or try and cause others to think well of us, we actually abandon the one who should be our master, the Lord himself, and we set out to, to put ourselves under other masters. We, we set out to try to please people. You know what the worst thing about pleasing people is? You'll never do it. <laughs> You're never going to actually make everyone happy. <laughs> Don't try. There really is only one person that you need to seek to please, and it's the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that you set out to, to run all over people or be unkind to people or harm other people. Not at all. In fact, if you are seeking to be pleasing to the Lord, you will be kind to people, and you will be loving to people. You will help people, but that's not your motivation. Your motivation is not so that other people can see you and praise you and think well of you. Your motivation ought to be, I want to serve God. And everything I do, I want God to be pleased with me. Now, he, he uses the phrase or the word several times throughout this passage, hypocrites. Hypocrites. Verse number two, he says, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do. Verse five, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites. Verse number 16, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites. And now, according to this, and within, within context, hypocrisy is serving God for the praise of men. That is a hypocritical thing to do. But also, hypocrisy is, is serving God for the praise of self. Because when you look at verse number 3, he says, But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Uh, you, you need to be careful not even to get too confident in yourself and what you do for God. When you're going to serve God, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't, don't be, be over, uh, uh, overly proud of yourself for doing something for God. There's one person you're trying to please, and it's not yourself, and it's not other people. There's a, a phrase that I would like for, for everyone here to remember and consider on a regular basis. Here's the phrase. It doesn't matter what others think of you. What matters is what God knows about you. It doesn't matter what others think of you. It matters what God knows about you. Because remember, God knows everything about you, doesn't he? He knows your, the, the things you do, the words that you say, the thoughts that you think. And even more than that, he knows the motive behind it. And what God knows about you is far more important than what others think. Again, I'm not saying we set out to try and have a bad reputation or a bad testimony or, or anything of that nature. But we ought to say, you know what, Lord, I am setting out to please you above everyone else. 
And I'm going to leave my reputation in your hands. And, and, and as long as I can lay down at night with a clear conscience between me and God, everything is right here, then I don't have to worry about all the other things going on. I just have to make sure that things are right between me and God. And that really is what Jesus is saying here. All these things that you do in service to God, don't do them to be seen of other people. Serve God in sincerity. All right, now I want to I point out a few aspects of this that Jesus uses that I think will be an encouragement to us as we try to serve God, not just for the praise of men. First thing I want to point out to you is what, what I would call eternality. And he says here in verse number 2, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Listen to this. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Verse number 5. And When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And then again, in verse 16, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. What is Jesus saying here? If you are setting out your primary motivation in doing something for God, you're making sure that you are out front so that others can see you are, you are looking for the praise of men, and as soon as you receive the praise of men, that is all the reward that you're going to get for that service. Now think about that for a moment. How many times have you done something and done well and been praised for it? You get a pat on the back, you get an attaboy, you know, good job. I, hey, that's, that's really good. And that's encouraging and it feels great, but it's momentary. And then it's gone. And that's, the, that's all the reward that you get for serving men, just to be seen of men. However, he also talks about this, this issue of if you will rather serve the Lord and even do so in secret or in a way in a, with your motivation not being to be seen of men, but to be seen of God, that, that the Lord himself will reward you openly. That there is actually eternal reward if we are serving for the glory of God, not for the praise of men. There is eternal reward. It's, it's not just a fleeting thing. This, I believe, is encouraging. Because, uh, because again, the, the praise of man is a, a momentary feeling. You know, okay, that felt good that so-and-so thinks well of me. Let me just tell you, from experience, it's not that hard to go from having someone love you to having someone hate you. It can happen overnight. And sometimes you don't even know what happened, but it just happens. And, and so if, if all you're doing is trying to please people, let me tell you, it is a very fleeting thing. However, the praise of God, now that matters. If God will reward me, if God will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, that is something that will last. That's something that matters. And so we have a choice in our service. Are we going to serve momentarily in order to be seen of men? 
Now, again, I'm not saying, that, and I know that Jesus even says here to do these things in secret. Don't, don't let your, your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Enter into your closet and pray to your Father which is in secret and so on. He says in, in verse 16, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites. Verse 17, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast. And so it's, it's as if Jesus is saying, don't even let anyone else see. And I could see how you might read that and walk away with the idea that, that Jesus is saying, don't let anyone else know that you're a servant of the Lord. In fact, I heard a, 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 about the second half of a, a sermon from this passage of Scripture, particularly uh, verses 5 through 6 there, I think just this last week, and I, I, it was, I think, a very poor interpretation of it, where this, this guy was basically saying, uh, in fact, he, he explicitly said, you know, if you're going to pray in public, I mean, do it real quietly so nobody hears you. And that kind of, you know, just this, basically, uh, you know, you're kind of an undercover Christian because you don't want to cram it down people's throats. That's not what Jesus is saying. We ought not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We should never be ashamed of serving the Lord. However, if we only are willing to serve when others see or in a capacity that other people see, there's something wrong with that. Again, to say I'm willing to teach a Sunday school class, but I'm not willing to come up here on an off day and vacuum the floor or clean a toilet or wash a window. Why? You know, I'm willing to sing in the choir, but I'm not all that interested in working in the nursery. I, 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 I want to serve as long as it's in a way that I can be recognized for my service. Folks, that, that's not attitude that's pleasing to the Lord. You're looking for a temporary reward instead of an eternal reward. And so he says, when you do these things, don't, don't do them to be seen of men. Because there's eternality to the praise of God. But there's only temporary satisfaction in the praise of men. Alright, secondly, he speaks of eyesight. Notice this issue of being seen. Notice in verse number 4. He says that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Verse number 6, but thou when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And then verse 16, or verse uh, 18 rather. That thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. The promise here is this. God sees you. God sees. You know, for the, the truth is, you may teach a Sunday school class of little kids, maybe two, three, four years old, and wonder, am I even making a difference, you know? Do they get anything out of this? Do they, do they learn anything? Is it making an eternal impact? And does, does God even care? Does God even, you know, nobody else even knows I do this. I'm tucked away back in the building somewhere. Nobody even sees. Friend, can I tell you, God sees. God sees that. 
He sees where you serve. He sees how you give. He, he sees uh, the, 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 the things that you sacrifice. He sees the hours that you spend on your knees praying for your, your church family and praying for missionaries and for souls to be saved. God sees those things. And he, he, he's telling you, listen, you don't have to make an effort to be seen of men because God sees you right where you are. When you go to your closet to pray, God sees that. When you take some time to fast, you don't have to tell everyone about that because God sees it. When you serve and you do something for the glory of God, you don't have to show other people. God sees and he will reward you. Now, a couple of things about that, about God seeing. First of all, remember that God sees differently than man sees. God sees differently than man sees. What was it in 1 Samuel 16? Where, where Samuel goes to anoint the next king uh, to replace Saul. And the first thing he does, he sees Eliab, Jesse's firstborn. And he says, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. And God said, no, don't, don't look at his countenance or the height of his stature. He said, God doesn't see as man sees. He said, he said that man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God sees things that nobody else sees. That's an encouraging thing to me. God sees things about me and understands things about me that nobody else could ever understand. Think about this for a moment. In fact, I'm going to do this. Just, just so you can get uncomfortable for a minute. Look around the room and pick out, don't point or stare, but in your own mind, Pick out who you think is probably the most spiritual person in the room. The person who spends the most time in prayer, faithful in reading their Bible, faithful in soul winning, uh, walks in the spirit. You know, they're just they're, they're spiritual. All right, you got it? You got it in your mind? Who's, who's got an idea in their mind? Don't, don't point, don't stare. You got an idea in your mind? Can I tell you this? You're probably wrong. You're probably wrong. I, I don't know who you picked, but you're probably wrong. I'm probably wrong. Because the truth is that things aren't always as they appear. I will be honest with you. I am constantly in front of people. I am not perfect. Not by a long shot. I've got struggles. I've got things that I... I wrestle with, I've got things that I pray to the Lord constantly. Why do I still struggle with this? I mean, I'm human, just like you are. But you know what? God sees and God knows. You think God knows who in this room is the closest to him? Well, of course he does. Of course he does. Things aren't always as they appear. Now, I'm not trying to belittle anyone. I'm just saying, listen, we're, we're all just a bunch of sinners, okay? That's all we are. We are a family. We love each other. Let's admit it. We're all a bunch of wicked sinners, all right? Just trying to grow in grace. That's what we are. But God sees differently than man does. So I don't have to set out to be something I'm not for you. I should set out to be what God wants me to be. Say, Lord, just help me. Help me to be 
what you want me to be and be pleasing in your sight. And I'm not worried about what brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so thinks of me. I'm just going to love them because I love you and, and I just want to serve you. God sees things that others can't see. He doesn't see like others. God sees the real you. He sees the real thing. Secondly, not only does God see differently than man does, but God keeps good records. God keeps good records. I want you to hold your place here in Matthew 6, but go with me to the book of Hebrews, if you would. Hebrews. The Bible actually tells us this about God, that he is righteous and just and rewards accordingly. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 10. Notice what the Bible says here. Hebrews 6.10 For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. You know, there might be someone sitting in this room who thinks, man, I work, I labor, and no one cares. Someone cares. Someone cares. God sees, and he's not unrighteous. He won't forget your work and labor of love. And it doesn't matter what the area of service is that you think nobody else cares about. You know, there are things that happen in this church, and areas of service and ministry that no one even knows happen. I mean, it's just, just a reality. There's all kinds of things that happen throughout the course of the week here. Nobody is even aware. That's okay. God knows. God knows. He sees and he cares and he is not unrighteous to forget. He'll reward you. He'll reward you. Now, as we go back to Matthew 6, we've seen this concept of eternality and eyesight. God sees. And then Jesus speaks of exaltation. Because he says here, verse 4. And I know we're reading the same verses kind of over and over, but I want you to see the common thread Verse 4 of, of chapter 6, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Verse 6, but thou when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And then verse 18, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Here's what he's saying. You can labor and strive for the praise of man today, and you'll have all the reward that you're ever going to get today. Or you can strive and labor for the Lord, not concerned about what other people think or see, and there will come a day that the Lord himself will reward you openly, publicly. The Lord will make known. You think, boy, nobody sees, nobody cares. Well, one day they will. One day the Lord, this is a promise from God. One day the Lord is going to reward you openly in front of everyone for the things that you've done, for the way that you've served. 
Now, you might look at that, and if you are, if you are maybe uh, like me, and you've been saved for, for a while, this, this almost feels not right. You know, like, okay, if I'm not really in it for myself, if I'm not really in it just so that other people see me, why would I care that the Lord is going to openly reward me? Well, let me just say a couple of things about that. First of all, I don't think we really grasp just how much on Judgment Day we will desire for the Lord to be pleased with us. And for the the, the fact that the Lord would actually reward us openly, publicly, how encouraging would that be? Let, Let me just give you an example Parents, I think that this is a, a positive thing, okay? If, if you're a parent here, you've got kids at home, this is something that we all need to do. You ought to tell your kids that you're proud of them. You ought to find things to praise your children for. I'm not saying to puff them up. I'm not saying to, to give them a big ego. But the truth is, if you're a good parent, there are probably enough things that you criticize your kids for that you have to correct your kids on that you need to find things to praise them for. But did you know that there is power not only in praising your children one-on-one to your children? That's a good thing. I told one of my kids today, I just no, no one else was around. I just pulled them aside and I said, I love you. I'm proud of you. I want you to know I'm proud of you. I think that's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. But did you know that it's actually a healthy thing to praise your kids to other people in front of them? Again, not in a sense that like, well, my kid, you know, my, my child is an honor student at such and such. A, you know, come on. That's not what I'm talking about. Here's what I'm saying. It's a good thing for your kids to hear you speaking well of them to other people. That's encouraging. It actually encourages good behavior. And it's actually an unhealthy thing if they hear you speaking ill of them to other people. So just remember, there's life and death are in the power of the tongue. All right, little parenting advice there. Just remember that. There is power. There's something actually empowering about someone that you are seeking to please, speaking well of you to other people. It's encouraging. It's like, oh man, you know, this is this is great. I want to do more. I want to I want to please them more. Imagine what it's going to be like for the Lord himself publicly say, well done. I'm proud of you. It's going to be worth so much more than anything that this world could ever offer. So much more. But let us remember 1 Corinthians 1.29, no flesh will glory in his presence. It's not like we're going to be in heaven saying, yep, I'm one of the special ones. In fact, all of us are going to be there thinking, man, we certainly don't deserve this. We don't deserve everything that the Lord has given us. But I want you to go with me, if you would, to Revelation 4. Revelation chapter 4. We get this picture of what things might might be like in heaven. And it says, 
Revelation 4 and verse number uh, 4. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now, if you know the New Testament, you know that there are several crowns that are spoken of, crowns of reward in heaven. And these are 24 people, apparently, that are exalted in a, to a position within heaven. They're around the throne. Uh, they're clothed in white raiment. That's a, that's a symbol that they have been washed in Christ's blood, just like you and I have. But for whatever reason, they, they, are, they have close proximity to the throne. There's only 24 of them, and they have crowns upon their head. The idea is these are people who are, have been exalted, they have been rewarded greatly. And notice it says, verse number 9, And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, 10, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord. To receive honor and glory, and or to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You get the idea that these people who have been greatly rewarded and exalted, really, it's just an opportunity for them to give worship to the Lord. They take that reward, they take that crown, and they cast it at the feet of Jesus, and they worship Him with it. It's like saying, Lord, all these things that I did on earth, I didn't do them for me, I did them for you. Because you're worthy. I don't, I don't want to be empty-handed before the throne with nothing to cast at the feet of Jesus. And there is something, you might say, well, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want the Lord to exalt me publicly. Yes, yes, you do. You want to have something to show for a life lived for the glory of God. Trust me, it's going to be worth it all to have something to say, Lord, I don't deserve to be here. And everything I have, it belonged to you, but you've given to me so much, I just want to give back to you what you've rewarded me with. So don't do your alms before man. Don't pray before men, don't fast before men, because if, if your motive for serving God is that others might see you and think well of you, you're serving the wrong master. Live for the glory of one, not yourself, but him. him. Exalt the Lord and he will exalt you in due time, right? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He will exalt you in due time.